Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Well, I do want to welcome you this morning, uh, all of you. It is so great to be able to celebrate Christmas together, to come in this season and recognize that Jesus Christ actually brought peace on earth. I don't know, are you feeling very peaceful? Sometimes right before Christmas and Christmas Eve with it, and I remember especially when our kids were, were much younger, it can be stressful. In fact, one of the things I've loved in this Christmas series we've been doing, we've been looking at all the different passages when the angels show up, and it just struck me, every time they show up, they always say, fear not, fear not. In fact, if you read through the Bible, you'll see that command quite a bit. It's one of the most commanded things in it. As God says over and over again, you don't have to be afraid. And whenever he makes the command, here's what I love about scripture. He doesn't just give us the command. He gives us a reason why. And the same is true in these Christmas passages that we don't have to be people who live in fear or anxiety because Jesus came into our world. You know, I think it's a message we need to hear right now because we're dealing with fear like never before. Uh, some of the studies that are around it. In fact, I, I don't know about you. I, I just as I was researching, I started thinking about when in my life I was most afraid. Why don't you stop for a moment? Think, think for a minute when you go, but that was the scariest moment in my life. It may have been a jump. It may have been something with your kids. It may have been something going on in your life. For me, I, I remember the scariest moment. And even as I think about it, I kind of get a cold sweat from it. I came this close to losing my life. I, I was uh, in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, Lee and I lived there and we had moved there in the 90s. And while we were there, you know, Bangkok's this massive city, traffic everywhere. And you never could get anywhere. It would take hours at times to get through rush hour. And I discovered there was these guys on different street corners that had motorcycles. They, they usually wore like a silk vest. I thought they were a gang at first. Then somebody told me, they go, no, those are taxis. They're motorcycle taxis. It's like, what are you doing? They said, well, you just tell them where you wanna go. You hop on the back, put on the helmet and they'll get you there. The great news is it's much quicker. The bad news is you take your life in your hands every time. The accidents all the time. But I got to where there was one guy, we would go quite a bit and he would take me. And one afternoon we were close to the little apartment where we lived and we had to go down this, this long street. It was almost like an alley with it. The buildings built right up on it. And we were stopped in traffic on Bangkok. You, in Bangkok, you drive on the left side of the road. And so we're sitting there stopped, it's just jammed. And we keep looking out like what, what is happening out there? And we notice there's no traffic coming toward us in the oncoming lane. And so he kind of pokes out again and you could see that they had a, a block way ahead. And so he slips over into that lane and we start going and I'm sitting there thinking, this is why I ride motorcycle taxis. I don't have to wait like everybody else. But then I looked up ahead and I noticed the lane had cleared and coming toward us was a literal Mack truck, said Mack on the front of it. And it wasn't slowing down. And so our driver tried to get back in the lane. The problem was the cars had sat there so much, there wasn't an inch to spare. And it was too tight to be on the side of them. 
Then he went over to the other side and I was getting ready because I knew he's probably gonna have to bail out into one of these stores. There was about a, a couple of feet drop that went down and then there were storefronts right there. So I'm getting ready like, okay, we're gonna have to negotiate this. We're going into it. And at some point on the way over there, my driver determined that instead of stopping, if we were to go really, really fast, we could get back in before the Mack truck came. And I still, in my mind, I can still hear the gears of that motorcycle. I can still remember that sensation as I was getting ready to stop when he guns it. And he starts screaming through the gears. I mean, we're like second, third, fourth, we are going and it is flying by. And at some point as I'm watching this truck come, I got so scared, I just started screaming. I couldn't control it. I'm like, ah! And then what scared me worse, the driver started screaming. He was like, ah, ah, and it's going and it's getting closer and I see it. And I'm at a point, it was like out of a movie, I could almost reach out and touch the truck. I mean, I had visions of me in my casket with Mac right across my face. And right at that second, he cuts back in. And we pull over to this lot. And as we're sitting there, I, I'll confess at that point, I had tears. I did, I, I could not control it. It was like so scary. And finally I collected myself enough that I started beating him on his helmet. I was like, that was stupid. And he's like, sorry, sorry. And he drove me back over to our apartment. I, I took off the helmet, I handed it to him. And he smiled and looked at me and said, no charge. <laughs> no charge. Except the, the moments off my life with that. Now, I don't know about you. you. You had a moment like that? I'm sure everybody's had something. And here's the reality, hear me. Part of what's going on in those moments your brain's doing what it's supposed to do. The amygdala, that emotional center in your brain is sending signals, this is dangerous. And I either need to fight it or I need to run from it. That, that's what your brain's supposed to do. The problem is people have figured out how to emotionally hijack our brains. And that's where sociologists have studied, especially over the last 20 years in this country, in a time period when we should be the safest ever, in a time period when we're experiencing prosperity that many in the world have never seen. We are terrified. And as they trace it, they trace it through different things. You can see it in music. It was pretty fascinating. They did a study of pop music for the last 50 years. Took 150,000 songs and just started studying the words that were used. If 50 years ago, you know the number one word that was used in songs? Love. All you need is love, 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 love. Everything was love. Love as a word is diminishing in our music. You don't see it nearly as much now. They just trace it. In fact, you know the words they're saying more? Angst, hate, anger. Something's happened to us when it shows up in art like that. They studied 23 million headlines, news headlines. You know what sells in the news? Fear, anger, disgust, threat. As they track the emotional health 
One of these sociologists said, we, we live in a time of fear mongering that fear is almost the only constant that actually unites people, rather regardless of your party or whatever you're in, this sense of it's a scary time to be. It's in moments like this that, that that's why I love that God's word speaks into it in our personal lives. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you go, Tim, I'm not really a fearful person. And I wouldn't say I'm a fearful person. But the thing about fear is it can kind of show up in different ways. Usually it doesn't just come out with being terrified. Usually we carry it with a certain level of, we, we give it other words like anxiety. You have any anxiety? Anything that makes you worried? Kind of keeps you up at night at times? Maybe it's a financial uncertainty. Uh, one form of fear is just anger. Isn't it interesting how angry people are? And a lot of that is just trying to control something. And anger is an easier expression than being afraid. Control. If I can just stay on top of it, especially as a parent. And I feel, especially for young parents today, you guys know too much. I mean, the combination, if I have technology and Google, I can keep my child safe from all things. And you live under that fear that you're responsible for. You know, here in the Valley, one way fear shows up is drivenness. Yeah, you go, what? Yeah. There's, a, there's this fear of failure. There's this fear that, man, I've got this education and I've got this, I've got to make it. I've got to throw myself. We got to do the next project. I got to do the next offering. I got to make it here. And you see some of the most driven people that if you were to peel back a little bit, what's going on, man, there's something driving it. And a lot of times there's more fear there than we like to admit. See, in the Christmas story, Four times angels show up. And every time they say, fear not, fear not, fear not. And if we were gonna be totally honest, they're speaking to a world that had a lot more to fear than we do. They're speaking to a couple in Mary and Joseph. When you look what was against them, man, we have it made in comparison. I mean, when they come to this couple who can you imagine living in a world where there's an emperor and he can just declare, yeah, I wanna count everyone. And here's how I'm gonna do it. You can't stay at your home. You can't fill out a form and send it back in. You have to go back to the home of your ancestors. I don't care how far it is. It doesn't matter if you're nine months pregnant. You go when I tell you to go. You imagine living in a world like that? You imagine living in a place like Israel where you've got this, this paranoid, crazy, quasi-king named Herod who would kill people in a moment if they threatened his authority, who's willing to wipe out a whole region of little boys because he heard a king had been born. You imagine what it would be like to be a refugee on, a, on the run from a man like that. You imagine the, the social fears that come with the kind of rejection 
of being a couple in a town and you have a miraculous birth that the world's never seen before, a miraculous conception the world's never seen before and having everybody in the town talk about you and reject you. So much so that when Joseph and Mary show up in Bethlehem for the census, where all of Joseph's family would be, by the way, because they're all of the same line, they'd all have to go back to Bethlehem. Nobody invites them in. Nobody gives them a space. There's not even a room in the inn for them. You imagine every day waking up knowing people are talking about you like that. What that would do. And I don't know about you, one of the most fearful days in one way in my life, man, especially when our first child was born. And I was in a hospital with doctors all around and people, but I was still scared to death about the whole thing. And there's Joseph and Mary. (laughs) And they're in a place where animals are kept. And the only thing they have is, is a manger to be able to put their child in. Man, you talk about reasons to fear. And yet it's interesting when you read through the story, they're not scared. Because see, when the angels came with the message to them, they actually took them at their word and they believed them. See, I I love that each time they show up, fear not, fear not, fear not. My favorite fear not in all the stories is the one we're gonna look at today. Because it's the one for you and me. It wasn't just for Mary and Joseph. Because after they had baby Jesus, you know the story that there were shepherds in that region. And look what happened with the shepherds. You can read with me. And the angel showed up and said to them, fear not. Now there's the command, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is why this is my favorite. Because this one's for me. I'm one of all the people. You're one of all the people. This one's for you too. They're making a declaration. I've got some good news that will lead to great joy. What is the good news? For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. That that unto you, given to you in your world, immersed in your world is a savior. Someone has come to save you. Someone has come to save you from your sins. Someone has come to save you from yourself. Someone has come, and I would say, to save you from a lifetime of fear. A savior has come, and he's not just any savior, he's actually Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, God himself. And and the amazing part, this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. He's an actual person. He came as an actual baby. He actually came into our world for you and for me. See, you don't have to live in fear because I got some good news. Jesus came. And, and as soon as the angel said this, suddenly the sky was filled with angels. Look, look what it says when, when they all showed up. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You talk about the bookend, you don't have to fear. Why? Because peace is here. 
because now you can have peace with God. Now you can have peace with each other. Now he is going to come into your world and do what no one else could do. It's what had been promised all along. He'd been born in Bethlehem just like Micah said he would. He was the promised peace just like Isaiah promised. Look at Isaiah 9, 700 years earlier. For a child is born to us, a son is given, the government will rest on his shoulders. I look to each of these lines and it gives me peace. The government will rest on his shoulders. Anybody here fearful about what's gonna happen with the government now or in the future? You know who his shoulders it really rest on? Jesus, because he came into our world. He, he's a wonderful counselor. Anybody here fearful about a decision you gotta make? You don't know about the future. You can't see with it. It keeps you up at night. Let me tell you, he's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He actually has the power to do something about it. He has the power to fight on our behalf. He has the power to overcome on our behalf. He has the power to overcome sin. He has the power to overcome death. He has the power to overcome the evil one. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He actually invites us into his family. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. He adopts us and we become joint heirs. And I love that last line. He is the prince of peace. He, he, he's the, the ruler who brings peace on a planet that absolutely needs it. I love celebrating Christmas because it marks this promise that was given that impacts my life today. Question I have for you, because we can celebrate this and we can be excited about this. But are you actually experiencing that peace? Have you experienced it in the way that he's describing and he's promising there? And, and I say this pastorally, I, 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 even Christians and those of the church, I th there's so often that I just feel like I, I feel this fear rising in different ways that doesn't match what he's promising and what's promised to us. And so I, I wanna use a, an illustration, bear with me, you're wondering what the magic act is here. Uh, I'll, I'll unveil it here. And it's pretty simplistic. I'll just say that right at the outset, but it helps me as I grapple with it in my own life. And I'll just confess to you, as I grapple with, man, what do I do with the fears in my life if Jesus really is the Prince of Peace. So I want you to picture this, picture this vase as, as it, it could be a picture of our world, but make it an individual life. And I don't care who you are, man, there's enough stuff of life that you can find yourself filled with some anxiety, with some fears. I mean, you kind of look at what's going on with the economy at times. In a moment's notice, it's like, whoa, that got scary. I got a whole picture here that I've just said election next year. Election, no matter where you are, no matter who you're voting for, I think we're all feeling this, like what is gonna happen with this thing? It's kind of scary. And then for many of you, your personal life, 
in your marriage, you don't know what's gonna happen. Your kids, some of them, you, you see them making choices or you see what they're up against or you see where the culture's going. I, I don't care who you are. We can find ourselves at this place where we're literally overflowing with it. And, and, and we might distract ourselves. If I stay busy enough, then I don't have to think about it. Or I can deny it's there. You know, you can kind of feel it bubbling up and you tell yourself serenity now, serenity now. That doesn't work by the way. And, and I think our problem is we take the command, fear not, and we try to address it without the promise. We try to do something we don't have the capacity to do. I don't know about you. Sometimes I can hear that and I go, okay, I've got all this fear. I got to get rid of this fear so I can have more God. I got to get rid of this fear for what God wants to do. And I try my hardest to get rid of it on my own. The problem is it's just coming faster than I have the capacity to get rid of. And I think when we try it on our own, guys, you can find yourself stuck. You can find yourself brimming with it. Hear me. What was the promise of Christmas? God didn't send a teacher. He says, for unto you is born a teacher who's gonna teach you about how to get out of this. God didn't send a judge who's gonna come and judge you for your fear and all the things you're doing wrong. He didn't even send a, a rabbi or a religious leader who's gonna come with a, another system. What did he say? I'm going to send a savior. He is literally going to come into your world and into your life. And I, for me, for each one of us, the answer is not how do I get this out? It's how do I get him in? Because as Christ comes into a life, you know what he does? Man, he starts displacing my fears. He starts changing my categories. I no longer fear the same things I did. Hear me, the moment the Christ comes into your heart, the fears that are displaced in that moment, in that moment, you never have to fear again about your sin because it's paid for forever. In that moment, you never have to fear death itself because you know the moment you die, you're gonna be with him. In that moment, you don't even have to fear the shame that you feel over what you've done because Christ has paid for it. Guys, it, it's not a process of how do I get this out? It's a process of how do I get Christ in so he can displace in me what I've been carrying around. Now, I, I know some of you, you look at it and you go, that's pretty simplistic. And I admit it is, any illustration is. I mean, you, you might look and you go, well, okay, wait, you, you invite Jesus and it solves everything. What, what if I need medication? Man, what if I'm seeing a therapist on fear? And here's what I'd encourage you. Please keep seeing them. I, I have people that I dearly love and I am so thrilled the medicines that God's given us to give them some, some freedom and to give them step. I view all medicine as gift from God when used rightly. But hear me. Those people I love, they would be the first to tell you, oh, we are thankful for the meds, but they can't do what Jesus does. 
they help, but they can't fill my heart like he does. They can't displace in those core parts of me what only Christ does. And some of you, you're looking at it and you go, well, Tim, I still see some water there. <laughs> There's still some fear. Of course there is. When you invite Jesus in your life, everything doesn't magically go away. You begin a journey with him. You begin a process with him. And, and you may look at it and you go, yeah, Tim, I know some scared Christians. Some of you are like, I know some scary Christians too. I know some scary Christians. Let me let you in on a secret. You know what? Scary Christians are usually just scared Christians trying to use power and anger to control their world. And so maybe you're like me that I have Christ in my life, Christ in me, but I still struggle with this. Now here's the answer. The answer is don't go back to the old way of, okay, uh, man, Jesus is in me now. I got to get rid of this fear. I'm doing the very thing that never solved it before. What do you do if you find yourself more afraid? You know what that means? It just means you need more Jesus. I need more of him in me. And you look at it and you go, well, man, Tim, that's great, but where do I get a chunk of Jesus? Well, that's what he tells us in his word. In fact, you read through the Bible, the whole story of coming to Christ is how can I have more of him in me? And so one of the key ways is he says, hey, what would it look like if you were actually filled with the Holy Spirit? You let him have control of your life. You know, one of the key ways that happens when you do that, you start praising him more. You start singing more. I, I tell you, one of the things that helps me the most is coming here every week when we sing together. Because when you're focused on him, you can't focus on your fear as much. Scripture says, hey, if you find yourself anxious, don't be anxious. What does it say instead? You wanna be filled with Jesus? Then pray. Pray more. And all you're doing through prayers, you're opening up another part of your life that go, yeah, Jesus, I am struggling with this here. I need you to fill this too. You're struggling with finances? Jesus said, oh man, just seek my kingdom. Be generous with it. Trust me with it. And so this is another area, and this is an area of my life that I'm going, oh man, Jesus, I need you to fill this part of my life. Or you need his church. You need other people. You need his word. Guys, the whole Bible is about this relationship where Jesus is the core. And the whole journey is how am I filled with him in a way that he's displacing all of this stuff that's in me. And whether it's fear, whether it's shame, whether it's anything that you're carrying, that's the key of Christmas. A savior has come and he immersed not only in your world, he's willing to immerse in your life and it changes everything. The question, the question for you today is, I mean, do you even have Jesus as part of your life? Have you even begun that journey that he changes it? And if you do, maybe you're like me. I wish guys I could go, oh, this is a picture of Tim Lundy. I, I'm on journey somewhere. Where, where I have these areas and I find myself struggling with whether it's anxiety or that. And instead of condemning myself for it, instead of going, oh man, you need to fix that. You know what I've embraced? I've embraced, I have a savior 
who is literally perfect love. And what does 1 John tell us? It tells us that there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. And so those places in my life, when I see it, you know what my new thing is? I just go, okay, I need to experience your perfect love more. I need more of you and less of me. And as I focus on him, you know what happens in that process? It begins to displace what was there. Now I know you may look at this, you go, man, that's a pretty simple picture. I'm telling you all through this room, all through this church, it is filled with people that we've experienced that in Jesus. He has changed lives. He has changed homes. He has changed marriages, but it took him coming in and doing what only he can do. It didn't take us trying to do it harder or more. We needed a savior. And I would encourage you, if you're new here, maybe you're skeptical, check us out, ask around, find out if these stories are true. There's so many lives that he's changed. In fact, I want you to see the story of one couple here at Venture and in their struggles personally, in their struggles individually, in their marriage, when Jesus came in, how he changed everything. And even last Christmas, and he revolutionized their home. Let's watch this together. I grew up in a Buddhist household. It was just more about my performance, what do these religions really mean? Because it felt like I had to keep performing to earn some sort of acceptance or love. I just felt like I wasn't worthy. I just had a lot of fear in me, like I was losing my soul. I texted my sister and I asked her, I'm like, I, I need help, like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And she told me, you know, confess and turn to Jesus. Without reading the Bible or anything, um, I had an experience, a super, very supernatural experience of God. I just felt like so safe and so secure. Started just looking at the Bible from there. I started getting the Bible into the home. I just kept wanting to know more and more and more. And it was hard for me to tell my husband that I actually really want you to go to church, but we had just this conflict. I think I was being questioned by my husband, like what's going on? In the Bay Area, you know, you're around so many different cultures, so many different religions that you don't really know what to believe. I just felt like, who am I to tell them whose path is right and whose path is wrong? When my son was about three years old, I met my wife, and I knew when I first saw her that she was the one I wanted to be with. My wife was going on her spiritual journey on her own. I wasn't very understanding of it, and that understanding of the way she was acting towards me had something to do with the battles that she's dealing with. That brought up a lot of conflict between us. She had asked me to leave the house. There's was, was a lot of tension in the house, and it was like more than I wanted to deal with. So then I decided, you know what, I'm just gonna leave. And so I just got up and left. I was still trying to figure out who I was in Christ, and God brought me along venture, the church, and the community, and he helped me to know who I really was. I just kept praying, and I said, God, I need to surrender this relationship to you. 
She was going to church a lot by herself every Sunday at Venture. Mother's Day came around and she asked me to come to church with her. We gathered up the kids and we all went to church together. That first church service, Tim's words just really kind of struck me. The peace of God, the grace and love that he shows you, it just really hit me. And then from there, I just continued to keep coming back because I just wanted to hear more. I really accepted his word and believed in him since then. During that time, I had a lot of time to myself to read scripture. I just need to always be in his word for our relationship and family to, to flourish. Even though we were separated, I felt so at peace because I was just only focused on God and who he is and what he was doing in me. I just kept, I just kept praying for him. Because I grew up in a Buddhist household, there wasn't any Christmas. So growing up, I actually hated Christmas because like, why are everybody else celebrating, but we're not? It wasn't until I knew Christ. I knew what the real meaning of Christmas was. And I felt like that is the biggest gift that I could ever receive. The week of Christmas, I ended up going to Adventure Church service Christmas Eve by myself. Just didn't feel right without my family. And that night I went home, I, I got into scripture, I prayed, and that's when I realized that I needed Jesus to be a better husband. We're the Lou family, and we've been married now for nine years. God reassured me that it was time to come home. So in the middle of the night, I snuck into the house and slept downstairs. And when my kids came down uh, Christmas morning, I was there, dog, new dog in hand. Some of our emotions were all over the place, but we were just kind of focused on what God did and, and who he is and just celebrating his birth. Soon after Christmas, it just a lot of discussions, a lot of apologies and forgiveness that we had to work through together. God really restored us and allowed us to start over um, in our relationship together. But there was just so much love there. We were gifted with a, with a baby boy who's due in January. We're so hopeful in what the future holds and what God has in store for us because we are following Him and, and he, has, he has a path for us. Not only did He give us eternal life, but he gives us this new future that, that He has for us. Um, oh. Yeah, this hope and the peace that is only provided from Him. Yeah. I so appreciate Danny and Lillian sharing their story. And hear me, that story's powerful, but it's not rare here. This church is filled with people that Christ has come into our lives. And he's in this process of displacing our fear. For some people, addiction. Some people's shame they've carried. Because he came as a savior. My hope for you is that this Christmas, you would experience the peace on earth, the peace in your heart, the peace in your life that only Jesus can bring. But hear me, you're not gonna get there doing it and trying harder. You have to invite him in. You have to open your life to him. You have to begin a process where he not only comes in, but over the course of your life, he continues to fill you in a way 
that he's displacing all of this stuff that we want to leave behind. And for some of you here today, this may be brand new for you. Maybe you're a little skeptical about it. Here's all I would ask. Would you just keep checking it out? Don't you owe it to yourself to just find out if it's true? Don't you owe it to yourself to to pursue it? God brought you here today. You're at least at a point that it's worth investigating. And you're welcome to investigate here. Check us out. See if we really are who we say we are. And this really is true in our life. Some of you are here today and you've walked with Jesus for a number of years, but you've also struggled with fear in a real way. And I would ask you, don't turn it around and beat yourself up with it. Don't walk out of here and go, oh, I gotta do it harder. Every one of those places where you feel that fear, that's just another opportunity for you to go, oh, Jesus, that's where I need your perfect love. You're gonna have to still do something there and I need more of you. I encourage you to invite him in that. And for some of you here today, And you need to take the first step. God has been working on your heart. Christ has been working in your life. You know you need Jesus in you. And I would just encourage you, I can't think of a better time to invite him in than Christmas. In fact, I I just ask everyone as we close out, if you just bow your heads. And if you're here today and you say, yes, I need Jesus. I need a savior. I just invite you, just pray these words. Make them your own as you pray them to him. Just pray, dear Jesus, I'm tired of doing it on my own. I know I need you. I know I need a savior. And so I confess today, I believe you. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe that you cover my sins. I believe that you want to fill my heart and my life. So today I confess you as Savior and Lord. Father, I pray for any who prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've brought them back again, or or maybe they're at a place in their life where they know they need you. Lord, I, I pray in this moment, they know that they have a savior who not only came into the world, but he comes into our life and he changes everything. Lord, I pray they'd embrace that journey. Father, for the many in this room, myself included, who need to know your perfect love more. I've just got those other areas, places in my heart and life that that you're still working, you're still filling. Lord, I invite you in because I want to know you more and experience what only you can bring. Lord, we thank you because a baby was born 2000 years ago. Those words fear not are true for us today. And we pray this in his name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. 
To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.